Before Tim comes to, um, to speak to us, we're going to have a reading and we're going to have a reading with some actions and some participation from you that tells the story of the resurrection. So, limber up. No getting away with it. We've all got to join in. We've got some actions for you. So if I say the word tomb, I want you to kind of shiver and rub your arms because tombs are not nice places. If I say the word wrong, I want you to go, uh-oh. Let's do that a little bit more. Much better. If I say the word dark, I want you to cover your eyes. We one hand, two hands. If I say crying or cried, I want you to wipe your eyes on your sleeve. If I say the word running, I want you to just go, because <sighs> you're out of breath. Well, I would be. So, If I say morning, I want you to do an alarm clock, old school style. Okay, Thring! Okay, that wasn't really an alarm clock, but that's, that's as good as it gets. If I say news, I want you to say, wow! And if I say garden, I want you to just do this. Okay, do you think you want me to do that again? Tomb, brrr, wrong, uh-oh, dark, cried, running, morning, thring, news, garden. Are you ready? It was very early on Sunday morning. Dring! When Mary first woke up, she opened her eyes but couldn't see much because everything was still dark. She quickly got up and dressed, then left the house and started walking to the garden where Jesus was buried in the tomb. Everywhere was still very dark and no one was around, but she wanted to go to the tomb to see the body of Jesus. She felt very tired and very lonely. She cried a little as she walked along and she wondered how Peter was feeling that morning. Dring! He hadn't slept for three days, so she'd been told. He was staying with John. She was glad about that. Something was wrong. Uh-oh. She noticed it as soon as she got inside the garden. The stone covering the tomb had fallen over, or it had been pushed away. She wondered if someone had stolen the body, and she panicked. She fled out of the garden and went running to John's house. Peter and John were not too ha happy about her coming so early. Mind you, it wasn't five o'clock. But as soon as they heard the news, wow, they went running to the garden. John got there first, but he didn't go in. Peter did. And all he found was the cloth that they had wrapped Jesus in. The body was gone. Something was very wrong. Uh-oh. Peter and John went running back to find the others. But Mary stayed outside the tomb. What a terrible day. She cried and she cried as she thought about it. Just then, she saw something moving inside the tomb. She was a little frightened, for it was still very dark. But she slowly looked in. There were two men inside the tomb. 
One of them said, why are you crying? So Mary told them that someone had stolen the body and she wondered if these two men had done it. But before she could ask, she heard more footsteps behind her. There was a third man there and she jumped. Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? The man asked. Mary just said, if you've taken him, tell me where he is, please. At that moment, the man smiled and Mary stood very still. He called out her name and it suddenly hit her. This man hadn't taken Jesus away. He was Jesus. She ran towards him laughing and crying and talking all at the same time. She was so amazed to see him alive, standing in the garden. After the rest of the morning, sorry, let's read that right. After that, the rest of the morning, thring, was very confusing. Mary went back and found the others and made lots of trips to the garden to show them all that Jesus was alive. Peter came back again to have another look, but still could not work out what was going on. The men in the tomb were angels, and they had a very busy morning, making sure everyone had heard the news. Wow. Jesus is alive. Tim. Well, good morning. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let me just tell you a story. A man went on holiday to the Holy Land, and he went on the holiday to the Holy Land with his wife and also his mother-in-law. Well, actually, tragically on the trip, as they went to the Holy Land, the mother-in-law, his mother-in-law, died. And actually, they were wondering what to do, so they went and approached a local undertaker and said uh, what the options were. And the local undertaker said to them, well, you can ship your mother-in-law back to England, but unfortunately for you, that costs uh, £10,000. Or actually, I will uh, bury your mother-in-law in the Holy Land for about £100. The man thought about that and thought, well, I'll ship her home, he said to the undertaker. The local undertaker said to him, are you sure you want to uh, ship uh, your mother-in-law back to to England? Actually, we'll do an amazing job, and it's so much cheaper than actually shipping her all the way uh, back to England. And the man replied to the undertaker, said this, he said, look, 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy here, and three days later, he rose from the dead. (laughs) I can't take that chance. I did ask Joe whether I could say that, because <laughs> it's not very politically correct. But the thing is this, this morning, Easter is an amazing time of hope. But darkness, defeat, and despair are not far away. Whether you look in Ukraine, or you probably know either your own or family who are struggling with ill health, with sickness whether people are kind of consumed with an internet that seems to be full of vanity and cruelty, 
at times? Or actually, as my joke at the expense of mother-in-law slightly says, that actually the bitterness that sometimes resides in our own hearts with people we can't get on with, actually are real. That the bogeymen that we speak of in Russia or wherever else it is around the world, are they really different to us? Are they really? There's a constant struggle in our, in our current culture with loneliness and anxiety. And at times we can face it, if you're someone who has to face his own and thinks about it, you think, well, where do I find hope that will last? Not just a hope that will be fleeting, but a hope that will last. The story of Easter week means that Jesus had had a roller coaster week. It hadn't gone very well from a human perspective. He'd been betrayed by his closest friends. He'd been falsely accused by rulers and the authorities tortured. Even though he was completely innocent, brutally, he was crucified in a horrific death on a cross. The reading that Fran read records the fact that the dead body was taken from the cross to a grave in a garden. Darkness surrounded Jesus for three days, encased in a tomb. It seemed all over. The end. This just looks on the surface like another sad story, another tragic occurrence that's happened in the world. Disappointment, bitterness, sadness, death, defeat are what defines this story. And dare I say to you that many of us live with that sense of hopelessness, that that is the tragic consequence of our lives. That many of us would love to erase some things in our past. Some of us would love to be free of habits and behaviours that actually we're privately horrified about. And we have a regret that race basically like a graveyard of bad decisions, bad choices, and what we try and do is pretend they're not there so we bury them and put them in a virtual graveyard. We dig a grave. But the tricky bit is this, they won't go away. So we long for the power to change, for real change. And on this first Easter Sunday, something miraculous did happen. Something changed. Jesus is miraculously resurrected by the Spirit of God. And Jesus walks from a grave into a beautiful garden that changed history forever. Death is not the end. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Eternal life has won. And I think that's worth celebrating this morning. It's not just a good news story. It's the good news story. Jesus walks from a grave into a garden. Now, those of you who are regulars here will uh, know that I'm not known for my love of gardens, or gardening, in fact, of all things garden. But I do know a few people who do. 
And actually, over the years, they've tried to convert me to the virtues of gardens and gardening. And as long as I'm not doing it, I'm really happy to appreciate other people's uh, hard work in creating a beautiful garden. Because the different textures, the different colours, the different scents, the different combinations, the way that an eye can create extraordinary beauty from where there was nothing four or five months ago, where before it was death, now there is life. So what does that mean for us this morning? I just very, very quickly want to say three quick things. Firstly, it means that death does not have to be the end. I was an accountant in a past life, and one of the things that people often say, there are only two, there are two realities in life, death and taxes. You know, that's what people say. The kind of harsh realities. Yet, on Easter Sunday, the fact we celebrate that Christ conquered death. Jesus walked from a grave into a garden so that we could do the same too by trusting in Christ. Christ's resurrection secures our resurrection if we put our trust in him. Therefore, however difficult or hard your life is, you may feel that life has been incredibly difficult and you're facing challenges that consume you. For those who trust in Jesus, eternity awaits with God. And that's wonderful news. That really is wonderful news. Secondly, sin is broken. The Bible talks about the fact, whether you read through the Bible, that God welcomes and receives those who are righteous, who are like him. But the thing is this, the only way we can escape the graveyard of our own weakness and our own sin the graveyards we've dug ourselves in our own life, rather than pretending it's not there. The things we've done that we're guilty of, we feel ashamed of, we feel when actually nobody else is looking, we're living with that sense within us. The only way we can get free of that is because there was one man in human history who walked from a grave into a garden, taking all the punishment all the condemnation of the world upon his shoulders so that we too could take the same walk. But it's a walk not just away from something, but it's a walk into the presence of life with our Heavenly Father, being accepted and um, welcomed into God's family as a precious child of God. Now like Adam in the garden, I know it's not uh, particularly you know, common to talk about our sin. A number of us, we can spend our lives trying to hide away in silent shame, naked and guilt-ridden. But Jesus' death and resurrection offer us freedom, healing, restoration, forgiveness, a new life, putting our past life of rebellion behind us. And this morning, one of the good news is this, is that you may be very conscious of the graves in your life, but Jesus looks at it and says, I can heal this. I can heal this. 
Thirdly, resurrection life begins. Remember, Mary is standing there in the garden outside of the grave. She thinks she's alone and she's weeping. She's sobbing, thinking this is a disaster. Yet in the garden, Jesus looks at her and calls her by name. Mary. Mary. Ushering in a new life. Throughout the Bible, what we find is the Bible promising in the prophets that people want a saviour. They want someone to come and rescue us from the darkness and the difficulty, the brokenness and the sin of this world. And the pictures the Bible uses sometimes are that God will bring joy where before there's mourning. Where there are ashes, God will bring beauty. Where there are graves, God will bring a garden. And the first steps Jesus took as he left the grave, were into a garden. A garden of beauty, of splendor, of life in abundance, and of his promise. Do you know, and I've seen enough of, more than I'd care to actually look at, even if they're just snippets of garden makeover shows, to know what actually a garden can do to awaken hope in our lives. But we've got to take hold of it. It's not just for looking at in a way that sometimes I'm tempted to look at a garden. We've got to take hold of it. C.S. Lewis, the uh, great writer, is famous for saying this. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. So today the invitation, the invitation this Easter, as at the end of our Bible passage said, is that they saw and believed. They saw and believed to respond in awe and wonder and thanksgiving in what Christ has done. The human narrative, the narrative of our culture is to try really hard and walk from a garden into a grave. Jesus, however, invites you to walk from a grave into a garden. But you can't do it alone. You can only do it with him. You can't claw your way out of a grave by yourself. But the joy for us is that Christ has done it for us. Receive his resurrection life this Easter.